Monday, August 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Salem. With me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Maker. Happy Monday, guys. Happy, Happy Monday. Monday. Uh, we got some consolidation going on in the rental car industry. We've got uh, a big dividend being paid out by AOL, but we're going to start with the news from late on Friday that a jury found Samsung guilty of infringing on six of Apple's patents. The patents are used in multiple devices, and Apple was awarded $1.05 billion in damages. Not surprisingly, Joe, shares of Apple up more than 2% today, and Samsung down more than 7%. There are a lot of parts to this story. Let's just start Where to for, begin? Let's just start first and foremost with the verdict, because as you and I were talking about last week, and, and a bunch of us here in the office, this was a jury deliberation that was expected to take weeks, and instead it was wrapped up in three days. And, you know, I mean, did Apple just totally, did their lawyers just totally slam dunk this? What do you think? Well, I think this is a big win for Apple. I mean, I'm not a patent attorney, but I have played one in improv, and I can tell you that <laughs> this was an amazing turnaround. Uh, three days uh, for the amount of information that they had. I mean, last week, all anyone could talk about was how hilarious it was, how much material the jury had to get through. So, a three-day session is... Uh, pretty interesting and really speaks to how high conviction they were on Apple's position here. It is a big deal in the sense that it moves Apple a little less away from hardware and helps them differentiate, helps cut away some, you know, knock-on Me Too players here in the U.S. That said, you know, the iPhone is 55% of sales, which is big, but not all of sales. And the Americas are only about a third of revenue at Apple. So it's a big win that they can export, but it's not you know, a game-changing, war-winning victory. Jason, I should point out that uh, they were found guilty on infringing on six patents, but Apple had actually sued on seven patents, and the one that the jury did not back actually had to do with a patent related to the iPad. So, to the extent that Samsung has a silver lining, I suppose it's that. But what did you make of the verdict? I, I mean, it wasn't terribly surprising. I mean, when you look at the two phones together, they do, they do look really, really similar. Um, it seems like uh, Samsung has done a really good job thus far of, of getting their devices out there and taking over, I think, market share from, from Apple and the iPhone in general. But now we know why that is. I mean, I think because it's seen as somewhat of a similar similar option, just a different operating system. I wonder if uh, the fact that the jury collected all the votes on their app on their iPhones had anything to do with their decision. Um, of course, I'm kidding there, but you this know, it's turning into a John Grisham novel. Yeah, it is pretty bad. <laughs> Samsung will be able to recover from this. It was one of those things that I mean, Apple's Apple's continues to be just a, a tremendous stalwart in the business, and uh, we have the iPhone five coming out here soon. So this is going to be just uh, continue to keep the momentum going. Yeah, so, I mean, it's all forward looking. A billion dollars is nothing to Samsung. They got about twenty billion in the bank, and it's nothing to Apple. They got one hundred seventeen billion. What it's really about is whether Samsung's going to be able to keep the mojo going forward and whether they're going to have to pay some sort of licensing fee. Uh, and I think that is where things could get dicey. And if you have to see other Android hardware makers start to sign up to where they're paying Apple for patents, then that's a huge win for Apple. Well, so let's broaden this to the mobile industry writ large, because certainly Apple and Samsung were the most 
had the most invested in this case, but certainly if you're Google, if you're Microsoft, if you're any of these other players, if you're Nokia or even Research in Motion, and by the way, both Nokia and Research in Motion, their stocks are both up today. And one of the things that's being laid out there is, well, this is, you know, they, they have patents. And so, uh, what do you think when you look at the mobile landscape now, to what extent has it changed? And to what extent are there other winners and losers besides Apple and Samsung? Joe? Well, I think there's going to be a race for more patents, so acquisitions. And I think RIM is up today for a good reason. I mean, the market cap is half cash right now, so you're not paying a whole lot for the operating business. You're basically paying nothing for the operating business if you assume the rest are patents. I actually think Nokia should be down today instead of being up. And the reason is that Nokia is in bed with Microsoft for Windows Mobile, but they don't have an exclusive deal. So Microsoft is still dating around trying to find other partners to partner up with them, right? And obviously, Microsoft wants to be on as many systems as possible. Well, now that they can walk in with a sales pitch that says, look, if you put out an Android phone, you could be Samsung in a courtroom, that's a compelling pitch. And I think a lot of these hardware companies are going to be a little more amenable to hearing Mr. Softy out. So if you're Nokia, that definitely doesn't do any good for you because suddenly the operating system that you were you know, betting the farm on differentiating with is going to be spread around with more people. Jason, what do you think? And I'll just uh, add one other group to that list in terms of where you want to put them for winners and losers, and that's consumers. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately at the end of the day, the consumers do win here because even though all of this, all of these decisions came down on Apple's side of the fence, that's not surprising. I and mean, Apple's Apple's maintained quite the market position for quite some time. But it's going to, I think, spur innovation and change and new things. Uh, you know, as as the mobile market continues to advance, and that's really at the end of the day what we want. Um, I think many people just go out and get their uh, their phones based on either either they're married to Apple brands and they know they want an Apple iPhone, for example, or you know they're open minded enough and they want to try something else, or they or they don't prefer the Apple operating system mm-hmm. and they want something based on Android or something else. Uh, I think that as as we as we go forward, we're going to see more innovation, and I think that ultimately the day consumers win from that. Uh, just to wrap up, Joe, with one company in particular, and that's a company you follow closely, and that's Google. Yeah, um, if kind of the ghost in the room. Yeah, I was going to say, if you are uh, an attorney for Apple, you were probably popping some champagne last Friday, and now that it's Monday... Some hard cider. <laughs> now that it's Monday, are you looking around saying, okay, well, we won that one, now let's go after Google? Yeah, I mean, it was a battle in the war. It's tougher to go after Google because they're not making phones themselves, so it's a tougher sell to the jury that Google is cashing in by ripping off Apple when they're not making phones, and it's tough to actually draw a straight line back to revenue at Google from Android. And it's something that Google talks out of both sides of their mouth with. You know, they'll happily talk on conference calls about, well, you know, mobile ad growth is booming thanks to Android, yada, yada. But when they get in the courtroom with Oracle, which, you know, they recently won this case where Oracle was trying to prove that uh, Google had walked off, not walked off, but more or less copied components of Java and using Android and made a lot of money off it, Google was like, wow, we, we don't make any money on it. <laughs> Practically, we're giving this away. We barely make any money on mobile advertising. So it's tough to go after them. But I do think this is a net loss, this suit, for Google. But ultimately, I'm not freaking out on behalf of Google. Yet. Hertz is buying Dollar Thrifty for $2.3 billion. And Jason, this is, once again, one of those deals that Wall Street seems to like on all sides. 
Shares of Dollar Thrifty up about 7% earlier today. Hertz up uh, earlier today 11%. What do you think of this? Yeah, I think uh, the real winners of this are the folks who held on to their Dollar Thrifty shares from a couple of years ago. I mean, they pretty much have realized a double here, uh, a little bit even better than a double on, on their investment uh, since, since uh, Hertz proposed to Dollar Thrifty back in 2010. And so, you know, I, I look at these car rental companies, I look at them just as airlines. I mean, I, number one, don't want to invest in them. I don't want to have anything to do with them because they're just more or less a commodity. I don't care what airline I fly. I just want a good, cheap ticket on a plane that's going to stay in the air. And I don't <laughs> care where I get my rental car from because I don't care. It's just a car, you know. And so, I want a cheap, affordable price. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, I think this is going to probably uh, – prop prices up a little bit. I'd be a little bit fierce, uh, fearful as a consumer that we might not have as much competition uh, in, in, this, in this market, and, and prices for rentals may, be, may become a little bit uh, less competitive. We've seen them uh, undercutting each other here recently because uh, Americans have, have gotten back to traveling. And uh, So, you know, you go to something like Priceline, for example, looking for a plane ticket or a rental car, and you can get a number of different offers there. Uh, I think that, you know, fewer... Uh, fewer companies in the market are going to make it a little bit uh, more difficult for for consumers from a pricing perspective. But yeah, I mean, the ultimate winners from this are the dollar thirty shareholders that held on to their shares. Uh, Joe, in the loser bracket, um, are is it fair to put not only a competitor, a direct competitor like Avis, but even uh, a side competitor like Zipcar? Let's just throw everybody in the loser bin today. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, incrementally. I mean, this strengthens hurts. This strengthens hurts, and it gives it a little more reach. I don't think this is a you know a move that should be moving Zipcar stock really. I think Car to Go is probably a bigger direct threat. Uh, and to be honest, I think as a tangent, they're doing very well in DC. I'm seeing Car to Go's those tiny little uh, cars popping up everywhere in the neighborhoods I'm in. Uh, yeah, I kind of disagree on car rental agencies being commodity businesses. I agree they used to be, and that's why they're consolidating. And there is something to that, but as consolidation happens, you know, they're ringing out more share, they're getting a lot more efficient. And, you know, you look at Hertz, I mean, Hertz is up today more than Dollar Thrifty, which I can't remember seeing for an acquisition, Yeah. Uh, with the exception of like a take under where, you know, you have like a, a JP Morgan Bear Stearns kind of deal. Uh, it's very unusual, but it really speaks to the value of doing a horizontal merger in a consolidated industry where you can ring out pricing power, like Jason was saying, and cut a lot of costs and improve the overall efficiency of your network. I think something that probably is overlooked here as well, because we talk so much about consumer space and uh, airports with these car rental companies. Uh, you know, having worked at uh, you know in insurance for for a spell and, and working in the auto division, it's it's interesting to see with these large insurance companies the relationships they form with the car rental companies, because there are so many car rentals that you know are are used in in automobile claims when someone wrecks their car and they need a they need a rental. A lot of these companies, and for example, I worked at Travelers, and Travelers had a platform built in with Enterprise where the two companies communicated directly and we just you know interfaced via the computer to set up consumers rentals for them so I do think that you know in this space you're looking at scale is what really matters and so enterprise having been the largest player for for a long right. time this is going to make Hertz bigger it's going to give them more presence and that's great for them I think uh, when you're looking at things like zip car and car to go to me that's that's definitely a different market 
and with Hertz getting in on that game a little bit, I do think that's important to note because really, I think in this business, scale does matter uh, because of the fleet of cars, because of the cost it, it, it is to maintain that fleet and to acquire a new fleet. Uh, and, and we see these these companies hanging on to these cars longer, uh, and, and in order to, to keep these businesses running, they require a lot of capital. And so I think that's why you look at companies like Enterprise and Hertz; they're going to be the long term you know benefactors of, of something like this a consolidation in the industry. Do you get the insurance when you rent a car? I never get the insurance. It's a total scam, right? Uh, I just assume. I'm, 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 looking I just the, assume I'm looking at the insurance guy. I assume in the room. that my American Express card covers it, but I will say, uh, in fact, when you do get a rental car, in most cases, the auto insurance policy that you currently have for your cars yep. will cover that rental car as well. Shares of AOL up today after the company declared a one-time special dividend of five dollars fifteen cents a share. The company Ooh. also intends to buy back six hundred million in stock. You like this move, Joe? You're giving it a golf clap. No, I'm giving it a real applause. A real clap. That's a real clap. You don't see too many companies that are, broadly speaking, don't take this the wrong way, AOL, in secular decline, (laughs) that have the guts and confidence and respective shareholders to actually return cash to them. Instead of going out and making crazy acquisitions, they're returning a large, large slug of money. You know, for perspective, the stock was at $11 a year ago, and this dividend is $5. So this is a really big deal if you've been hanging on to the stock. I do worry about the long-term success of the business, but I give them a lot of credit for this move and for making a lot of small bets, which I really like. I should point out that uh, we work uh, closely with the people at Daily Finance over at AOL. So hopefully, That's worth pointing out. Hopefully they will. Small bets, including the one with us. <laughs> exactly. Um, Jason, what do you think? Is this, I mean, I've seen some people saying online today, you know what, this is a good move, but it it's surprising that if they're going to allocate cash, that they're not going to go after more content. I mean, if you, if you go to AOL.com, and you click uh, at the bottom of the screen on sort of they have a, a button there for view all of our brands. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of brands under the AOL umbrella. And I mean, what do you think? Is this the best use of their cash, or, or is it the sort of thing where this works for now, but long term, I'd like to see them get more content? Best use of their cash. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's great for shareholders. I mean, who doesn't like getting a special dividend? But I mean, it still doesn't change the fact that AOL is facing. You know, tremendous headwinds in this in this uh, business, and I mean, Joe put it right. I think it's a co- it's a company that's facing at least some level of secular decline there, and and so the inv- investors in the company certainly benefit from a special dividend. I don't know that it's the best use of their cash. I'm not saying I know exactly what they need to do with that cash, but it doesn't change their competitive landscape. It doesn't make their it doesn't make their situation any easier. I think it maybe buys them a little time. It's great for shareholders. Joe Mager, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.